Welcome on back into the Sling Sports Podcast with your host, Jake Finnerty, and your co-host, Wally McKeon. Wally, it's always a pleasure, always the highlight of my Thursdays to be here recording with you. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I just had some nice lunch with you and your roommate, Ethan. Um, had a great conversation about the weekend ahead. Uh, there's a lot of highlights that are going to be coming up. Um, but before that, let's talk about our highlight of the week. Um, I'll get us started. Last night, me and my roommates painted a table, actually, and I got to paint a little Charlie Brown on it. And you know, I'm yeah, a big Peanuts. You're, you're a big Peanuts guy. I'm a big, big peanuts, peanuts fanatic, guy. and it was very therapeutic to sketch out Chuck and paint him and yellow, the yellow and black shirt, the iconic Charlie Brown. Um, it was awesome. It was really, really quite nice. Um, do, you, do you know how to draw Snoopy, too? You know, it, it, My, it's, it's freehand. I, I look at a picture and I draw. I've got to work on the Snoop I, though. I will give I will give a shout out to my dad. He does a very good Snoopy. Drawing. Does he? Very oh, good. I, very gotta, good. I got I got to show you work. it at some point. I've got to see I, actually, some of his work. I might I might have a drawing with me here that he wrote me a note. Uh, so I'll, I'll try and find it and sh- and show you show you how it is. Uh, but my highlight of the week, as, I feel like as usual, hasn't really happened yet. Mm-hmm. But this weekend. Me and a couple of my buddies, we're going down to Binghamton. We're going to see a nice WWE (laughs) event, some wrestling, some live wrestling. It's the first time I'm actually going to see WWE live. You've never been to one? No, never. You've been talking about this for a couple of months now. I thought you were It's like a month and a half because I've been been really excited. I've been to one wrestling event live, and it was like a lower-end wrestling event, and there was like a couple of like retired WWE stars there. I went with my cousins. Yeah. Um... But like I'm really excited for this, and then a couple weeks later, when I go home from school, they're actually going to be in Scranton. And I think the same cousins that I went to the first event with—that's awesome—we're all gonna go to the big arena, the that's big, cool. have a big night, a big night out, and uh, I can't wait for that. But that's that's the highlight in a couple weeks. That's not the highlight yet. The the highlight of this weekend is going with with uh, two of our friends actually down to down to WWE in Binghamton. So I can't wait for that. Um, a look back at this week though. We're looking at some athletes, some very, very special athletes from this week. I will start us off because I'm actually breaking the rules. This is only the second week we're doing this, and I'm already breaking the rules. I'm picking two guys this week. Two. Because these NBA playoffs have been crazy, and these mm-hmm. two young guys have been absolutely stellar. Both Jordan Poole and Tyrese Maxey, I put them together because they have very similar numbers and are putting up very, very similar stats. So this is through the first two games, so not including Maxey's game last night of the playoffs for both both players. So Jordan Poole, through two games in the series, has a total of 59 points, is shooting 66% from the field and 59% from three. Maxi has a total of 61 points, is shooting 69% from the field and 57% from three-point. Now, neither of these guys, I mean, there's, there's some stars in the league, John Morant being one of them, mm-hmm. that were in the conversation for most improved. Yep. But when you look at most improved, you often look at look at these younger guys, and neither of these guys were really in that conversation. And just showing how much of an impact they've had for their teams in the playoffs, it's really making you look back. I mean, these are regular season awards, so you can't really do anything about it now. But you really look back, and you're like, wow, they really have taken a step up from what they needed to be because Maxi came into this starting spot when all the Ben Simmons drama was going on and stayed there and facilitated himself and bumped up his points almost – 10% from what they were last last year, even his minutes, obviously, as well. Yeah. And Poole having to step up with Clay out, um, 
I mean, both these guys, just great, great weeks from them, and it's going to be a great playoffs going forward for them as well, and we'll get into that later, but I'm very excited to see where they are. I want to shout out Jordan Poole specifically because I, I fell in love with Poole um, when he had his buzzer beater against Houston in the second round of the 2018 NCAA tournament, and I was a little surprised that he declared for the draft that following year after that season, um, and he went, I think, 28th overall to Golden State. And I'm very glad that it has worked out for him, and he's now reaching his potential. I think he's even outperformed his potential. So the Warriors are very pleased with where he's at right now. Well, Jordan Poole was my actual actual pick for sixth man of the year going into the season. Mm. However, I didn't know if he'd be considered a sixth man with when Clay would come back, You know yeah. how many starts he'd get. Obviously, at this point, he's not considered a sixth man. Tyler Hero is also going to run away with that award. Yeah. But... Um, I, I thought Poole was great last year, and he's already outshined himself from last year this year, and he's looking great so far. He's great young star, great for Golden State right now. Speaking of young stars, my player of the week is not a young star. In fact, they're quite the veteran. It's Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers. As we speak, he is one hit away from 3,000 career hits. Um, the Yankees are playing the Tigers, and the game's in the top of the eighth inning. So during this podcast, during this recording session, Miguel Cabrera could make history and get it to may, 2,000 It may hits. happen. He had three hits last night. Um, he's batting over 300 this year. He's having a great season, as always. Um, so nothing in particular when you look at the regular stat line jumps off the page, but 3,000 hits is a huge accomplishment, and he deserves some recognition for that. I mean, Miguel Cabrera, even just being able to be in the MLB as long as he is, him... And Albert Pujols both, actually. Um, You know, both of those guys, the amount of time that they've spent within the league and stayed up to the caliber that they are always on the hitting end, Mm -hmm. it's just great to see. And Miguel Cabrera, once he gets this 3,000th hit, like you said, could be any second at this point. Yeah. Um, That's just, it's going to be such a special moment for him. I can't, I can't wait to see, to see what he's, uh, what happens. Um. But sticking with the MLB, actually, we're going to go right into the league, right from there, right from Miguel Cabrera, right from Miggy. Um, and something that I, I want to touch on, specifically being a Phillies fan, and right now, I'm going to say something, like, every week I come on here and I feel like I just complain about my team, and then they, yeah, you do, and then and they, they do, do pretty well. No, and then they and then they do a complete turnaround. So I'm not going to stop that pattern <laughs> because it's it's showing some some great signs so far, which we'll get into the Sixers later. But I titled this this thing on, on the doc, The Red Not Phillies, because they are anything from hot. They are red, though. They are red. <laughs> um, but, like, you go out to – they play a series against the Mets, dr- drop two of three. That's a play pretty well. Yeah. That's a, what, nine and three? The, the Mets are playing very yeah. well. Yeah. And then you go down to Miami, you drop three of four. That's bad. And then you go out to Colorado, and you drop two of three again. That's bad as well. Those are two teams where you should be nearing a sweep. Yeah. Not That's, almost getting swept. Yeah, yourself. not almost getting swept, especially on the road. And you you have to score nine runs to beat the Miami Marlins. You have to score nine runs. I think it was or nine runs to beat the Colorado Rockies as well. I think it was nine that they be, that they beat the Marlins as well. But. This team, this this offense should not have this much trouble putting up runs either. 
nine nine is a is a big number in a, in a nine inning baseball game, but like that should be coming like normally, in my opinion, with this with this team going out to Colorado in a stadium like that. Kyle Schwarber had a third deck home run the other day. <laughs> Luckily, they got a win on in that game, but Bryce Harper underperforming so far. The MVP from last year. He's a streaky guy, but at the same time, you can't you can't keep saying, "Oh, he's streaky, he's streaky." He'll put it together at some point. We we need it. We need it now, and we need it consistently. JT Realmuto has actually been doing great. He I, th- I think he leads the team right now in average. But Schwarber is falling into the same category as Harper, streaky. And Castellanos has been completely up and down. He either has a great game where he goes two for four with a home run and two RBIs, or he has a game where he goes 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. There's no in-between with him. Um, well, on the topic of offenses underperforming, as a Yankee fan, I have personally experienced that quite a bit. Um, and I'll quickly mention Garrett Cole, who has struggled through his first three starts. And um, in the game against Detroit, which was two nights ago, he had, I think, 46 pitches, maybe even more than that, in uh, in the second inning. He got pulled, and it was the shortest start of his entire career. Um, and yet the Yankees won that game. So the Yankees are finding ways to pull out these games. They did lose two out of three to Baltimore. And the pitching staff has been phenomenal. 2.52 ERA, the third best in all of baseball. There has been no run support for this team. Um, it really pained me on Sunday when the Yankees played Baltimore Nestor Cortez Jr., Nasty Nestor, as he is known in New York, um, 12 strikeouts in, uh, I think, a little over five innings, maybe six innings, um, and they lost 5 to nothing. The bullpen blew it a little bit. Jonathan Loisega, that's okay. Um, the pitching's been phenomenal. And on your topic with Philadelphia and the bats, I think when the weather starts to warm up, so will the bats. That has been a trend across a lot of baseball it is tough for these teams to get into a hitting rhythm, not to mention a shortened spring training, the lockout. The bats will wake up. I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a Phillies fan, or any well, fan for that matter. I'm not saying that I'm concerned. It's just very frustrating to see. Obviously, it's a very long season, so like at this point, if you're complaining that your team is in third or fourth, like yeah. you're kind of overreacting, which... I mean, I know I am. I'm not really complaining at their. I'm not really complaining at their standing. I'm just complaining at their performance. That these bats should be waking up. I know, it's in. It's obviously an issue that the shortened spring training. Yeah. Um. It's still the weather is still very up and down, especially in the Northeast. Yeah. Like we had snow game. this Monday. Mm-hmm. Um. So I I definitely I definitely agree with you on that end that they'll wa- they'll wake up, but. It's just like I don't want to get to the point where I'm saying this a month and a half from now, like, oh, they'll wake up, they'll wake up, and they're already like and they're, twelve games out of first yeah. place, and they're not going to come back from that. Like, I don't know when to say that it's finally time for them to wake up, and it's not too early to say I'm complaining about it because it's really hard to say that in baseball. Like, it's really hard to pinpoint that spot when you need to get it together. Yeah, yeah. and can well, you need to consistently have that rhythm. But I mean, even. Even the starting pitchers for the Phillies have struggled so much. Wheeler and Nola both. Nola, I still think, is the most up-and-down pitcher in the entire MLB. He's either extremely hot for three straight starts or give has like a 
6.7 ERA in four straight. Like, there's no in-between with him. He needs to get in a rhythm. He needs to get his stuff together and stay on a consistent pace. And Wheeler needs to find his Cy Young self again. That's as simply put as I can, as I can get it. That good for your Phillies rant for the week? I it think, is because I think we're gonna, have, think we're gonna, think we're gonna have a lot of joy for yeah. Philly coming coming yeah. forward. Um, but let's go out to the stay with the West Coast because the Phillies were we're on a West Coast stint. Um, the Braves were actually out playing against the Dodgers, and Freddie Freeman first at bat goes yard goes yard. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know. I feel like Freddie Freeman, I don't think he left a sour taste. Maybe he left a sour taste in Braves fans' mouths, but is there beef between it's, those two? It's not that he left sour taste in the, in their mouth. They left sour taste in his mouth. They would not pay him. That's the whole thing. The That's Braves why he left. The Braves him. would not okay. pay him. After everything that he did for that franchise, bringing them to that World him. Series and basically carrying that team they still did not offer him that big that big contract that he was hoping for. All right. Fans wanted it. Yeah. The team wanted it. Players. He wanted it. Mm-hmm. But the organization did not. He didn't get his offer. So he went to one of the biggest markets in baseball in the Dodgers and now they're basically a super team yet again. They're, they always They're always are team. because they have such a big market, but yeah. that's why that's why I labeled this as the Freddie Freeman revenge tour. Yeah. Because Freddie Freeman from from what I've read is that he has beef with the franchise because they wouldn't pay him. Interesting. Well, I believe that. Yeah. And uh, tough for him, though. I lost two out of three to... Yeah, that is. won the series, but... Um, do they play each other again? They probably play each other again at some point this season. Uh, they... Yeah, I think the I think the Dodgers come to the East Coast. I was going to say. Because I believe they play in Philadelphia. I'd be interested to see Freeman's reception... In Atlanta, how the crowd reacts. If it's well, I think bad. the the fans are going to love him. Okay. The fans are going to go absolutely nuts. He'll probably get a tribute video, everything like that, because Good. that man did everything for the Braves last year. Good. Absolutely everything, and he deserves all that praise. Um, let's get into the Guardians. What the heck is going on there? I keep forgetting that they're, they are the Cleveland Guardians. I don't... I just, I just well, think of like Cleveland I just, baseball. I just team. think of them as, as Cleveland. Yeah, like, I don't me really. Too. I, I never really referred to them as their other name anyway. I've been I've been calling them Cleveland for yeah. Pretty much I've been my calling them Cleveland life. all the time. Um, but they're they're putting up some runs, some big time runs. They are, I think, either second or third in all of baseball in runs scored this season. Um, but however, I'm going to highlight something that they did in their game uh, yesterday, which is very important to success long term is that they won a game where it was decided by two runs or fewer. They were 0-3 in their first three of those games this season, and they finally pulled one out yesterday. Because um, if you look at their other wins, they're first in the AL Central right yeah. now as well. Yeah. Their other wins there are like 11-1, to the 17-3 to against Kansas City. They are complete blowouts. They are not winning these close games. But they finally won a close game. It's good. Well, they're shocking me because I thought the White Sox were really going to look dominant in this in this division. Mm-hmm. But the Guardians are really, really fighting. Like we yeah. already mentioned last week, Stephen Kwan, like, yeah. amazing, insane. And just, I feel like the Guardians, out, outside of Jose Ramirez, they're like a young team, they are. primarily. Jose so, Ramirez just got a contract extension. Yeah, a very, well. a very big extension. Yeah. Um, they're just... 
like they're sh- that this is the most shocking thing to me right now in the MLB is say, that the Guardians the are, are putting up all these runs and and yeah. looking this good. Again, it is still early, so like they could easily cool off and and stop that, but just even right now at the start of the season to look this good is very very impressive. No I don't think I've ever seen any team recently put up this many runs this early in the season. It's fun. Fun to watch. And on the topic of fun to watch, the sport of baseball. Um, Minor League Baseball has implemented a pitch clock, and it'll be coming to the MLB next year. And there was a game in AAA earlier this week that lasted one hour and 54 minutes. Wow. And that's short. That is short. Usually baseball games go like three three, to three and a half hours. Um, Sub-two-hour games happen every two or three years across all of baseball. Yeah. That is thousands of games. That's like the one or two hit on each side yeah. of games. It's rare, but it exists. Um, but these minor league games, the pitch clock has shaved off 20 minutes of game time. And from what I have seen from fans on Twitter, at least in the Yankee universe, they hate this. If you are a fan and you go to the game... You want to be there for three hours. You don't want to be there for an hour, 54 minutes. And this topic of growing the game and making it more exciting, speeding up the game isn't going to help anything. That does not increase action. I don't enjoy that because I don't really think that baseball is the type of game that you need to have a timer on. That's That's what makes it great. that's 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 the joy of baseball is that the players control the pace of the game. Yeah. The pitcher controls the pace of the game. If you throw the pitcher off of his groove by implementing a pitch clock and making him throw the pitch at a certain amount of time in between each, that throws off his rhythm, that throws off his whole entire mentality going towards the batter, everything like that. Like the the batter will know when the pitcher is going to going to release yeah. the pitch because he has to release it by a certain a point. Like I get the point of bringing fans back into the stadium which there's a team that we'll talk about with fans in a, in a second, but to to do that, I don't think that, that you should speed up the game because necess, like, necessarily that, that ruins the game in the end, and it, it's a disadvantage for the players rather than for the for the fans. But it's a, a disadvantage for both at the same time because like you don't, you don't want to go to a game and sit there and have it sped up and then, oh, you're there for an hour and a half and you're already gone. Really, and what you mentioned with pitchers and being forced to throw at a specific time, and hitters are going to be able to use that greatly to their advantage. Um, there are a number of new pieces of technology that are coming to pitchers, and one of them, I think we mentioned this in last week, is that a couple of these teams are using uh, catcher-pitcher communication systems where you push a button and it tells the pitcher in their hat what they're going to use. And a lot of these veteran pitchers who have been perfecting their craft for 10-plus years, they can't use it. It does not work for them. It is not functioning. And I wonder for these guys like Clayton Kershaw, for example, who's 34, 35, maybe even older than that. He's been doing this for his entire life, and you're going to force him to adjust his rhythm and throw the ball at a specific time? I hate that. And the whole thing with the button... um... That that also translates to the middle infielders as well when you're trying to get a sign if there's a guy on first and third. Yeah. Because I remember I was watching, it was a Phillies Mets game. I I believe Scherzer was still on the mound, um, and 
they were trying to get the sign to Lindor and Scherzer, and neither of their receptors were working. Yeah, neither of them knew what was no. going on, and Lindor literally just took it off, gave it to the coach, and said, I'm not using this. Yep. Like, I don't know why they're trying to... I get I get the sign-stealing part of it, but I don't know why they're trying to implement all this stuff. Like, that's not enjoyable to watch. Because even Garrett Cole was doing that in the first, the opening day game. Very and he was game. First and he inning. Was, yeah. First and he was, he was missing all of these signs. S- stepped off the mound, I think, five or six times yeah. within the first inning and was missing his spots because he had no clue what was going on. Um. I want to say one more thing on this. This is my last. That's, this, yeah, is, this, this is also, this will be it. This, this be is it. a Yankee-related thing as well. Um, Aroldis Chapman, the Yankees' closer, who is a maniac when it comes to control at the plate yeah. and is extremely irritating to watch, and it makes my heart race whenever he comes into the game. Uh, last Friday night, playing against Baltimore, and it's the bottom of the 11th inning, and uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think it was Clay Clay Holmes loads the bases with Orioles and Chapman comes in there's one out bases loaded strikes out the first guy second guy gets it to full count and it was either Higashioka or Trevino behind the plate is trying to send Chapman the signs into his hat and Chapman the whole time is tapping his hat shaking his hat I can't hear you he has no idea because the Orioles fans mind you this is the Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yards they are maybe 50% capacity in 11th yeah. inning game in April. It's cold. No one is there. And he is struggling to hear these signs. Throws the ball outside, ball four. War, uh, Orioles went on a walk-off. So I'm just thinking, what are you going to do if it's game seven of the ALCS and you're playing at Fenway? You can't hear a single pitch. You the, need... It's not going it's it's not, it's, it's not to... Th- this, this system... Is going to be phased out within the first so within the first month. So nobody fast. nobody is going to use this anymore. I do think that sign the way signs are communicated will constantly be evolving, but this is not. I agree, but this is not the this way. Is not this is not the done. way. Uh, one last headline from the MLB has to do with fans. The Athletics probably it's sad, just like man. it's terrible. They're it's they're most likely going to move out of Oakland at this point. They've been trying to move out of Oakland. Yeah, and they they have no home. It's, nobody well, nobody will host them. I heard I heard there were some possibilities because they they had a new stadium drawn up and everything like a new rejected. stadium plan. And it for got it got rejected in Oakland. Yeah, but they're trying to move somewhere else in the SoCal area, in in the Southern California area. It's tough. Especially we'll see. Oakland Coliseum used to be nice when it was first yeah. built. It was one of the nicest stadiums in the entire sports world. And now it's terrible. Concrete now, falling to the ground. Now it's you can't so get pathetic. over four thousand fans to a single A's game. Yeah, I think two days ago they had thirty two hundred, and yesterday they had twenty eight hundred. It's depressing. That is sad. Yeah, that really is, is super sad that you can't even get four thousand fans into that stadium. That's terrible. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a comparison, but. I don't need there to, is no like yeah. I've never seen this little amount of fans at a game. There's nothing. It's I wonder, like I wonder what it'll be like over the summer, when you know weather, weather's pretty nice in Oakland. Maybe anyway, maybe maybe if the Athletics spend some money on their team, they'll actually get people there. Yeah, uh, there are single players in the MLB that are making more money than yeah. the entire Athletics roster. Yeah. Moving on to some lighthearted news, though, we got the <laughs> best, the absolute best segment. 
on this show every single week. We've got drip of the week. Take it away. Go ahead. Tell us tell us the drip, Wally. My my drip of the week is a fan fanhood. It's not a specific player. And that is the Miami Heat whiteout. When all oh, of the fans okay. wear the white jerseys and the Heat are uh, the Heat were the white jerseys, the players and the fans were the white t-shirts, white shorts. I love it. This is uh, it came into existence I think in the 2010s maybe even before it was, that. I think I believe the white hot jerseys were introduced in 2011. Which yeah. I miss those jerseys by the way, the full white out jerseys yeah. with the black. They're sick. The, yeah, they're the best. They're the they may they may be up there for the best NBA jerseys ever. I love it. Um, and it's great to see all of these fans coming together and to support their team. And the all white just looks awesome. Like when we were. As Syracuse students, we had the Blizzard game against Wake Forest, and the entire student section was a whiteout. And it looks so cool on TV, in person, all of it. Miami Heat whiteout, my drip of the week. It'll come back. The Heat are going to win a couple of yeah. games, a couple of series probably even um, in this year's uh, NBA playoffs. But Well, an underrated one seed at that, and we'll see where they go in the future. We'll see where this series takes them. Um, but my drip of the week, actually, people were making fun of this drip of the week when when know, uh, when yeah when James Harden showed up to game one. Oh, Stephen A. Smith had some things. They, to say they had some it. things to say. Yeah, he was wearing a jacket. It had two stuffed animals attached to it, basically like sewn on there. It was a Louis Vuitton jacket. However, if you know the story behind the jacket and what he was wearing, it shows a lot more of a message because this jacket was one of the final things designed by Virgil Abloh, a streetwear designer who passed away this past year due to cancer. He was only 49 years old, I believe. Yeah. He's very young. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, a great tribute there from Harden. I loved seeing him wear it. I don't know, like... I didn't think it was that ridiculous looking. I thought it was kind of cool. No, yeah, I like I don't under, with it. I don't understand why people were like hating on it so much. I thought it was kind of cool looking. The Stephen A. Smith when uh, it was like the NBA pregame show or whatever on ESPN. Yeah, and it has there's a camera showing Harden walking like walking in, through the tunnel. And Stephen A. Smith, what is that? He get that from the Flintstones? Yeah, he said like he that? said he should be in the Flintstones. Yeah. I was like, what that's, are you it's, talking about? It's a Letterman jacket yeah. with like two things attached to it. I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know about that tribute. That is awesome. Yeah. I thought the jacket was cool anyway. Yeah. I thought. I thought having, it was cool looking, but especially I, I, I don't. I don't know if. It, I don't know if it is the final piece of streetwear that he's designed, well, but it, it is one of the. It is one of the pieces in the collection because I know he was one of the big designers for LV, like right before he passed away. So. Um, I love it. I, I like it a lot. Harden's known for coming in with some weird yeah. stuff. I mean. His debut in Philly when I when I chose the hot Cheeto outfit, <laughs> um, I loved that. But I, I love this jacket. So simple, so clean, and I mean, what else could I say? We're we're gonna it's talk drip, about we're gonna talk drippy. about these we're gonna talk about these Sixers coming yeah, up right now. But before before we actually get to that though, there's some huge news out of this NBA playoffs, and that's Devin Booker is out for two to three weeks. With a what was a grade one hamstrings sprain, yeah. So um, you say huge news. I think it's huge, huge. on I think paper. It's huge. I'm gonna say this right now. I said this to you before we started recording. 
this has just prolonged the inevitable. Phoenix is beating New Orleans with or without D-Book. Maybe it goes six games now instead of five. I don't... Um, I'm not concerned about it. I don't see I don't see a problem for the Suns advancing against the Pelicans. I don't see a problem for them in this series at all. I think the Suns are more than capable of winning this series without Devin Booker. But if I'm concerned term? I'm concerned long term because what if it comes to two to three weeks they reevaluate and it's and another. then he's and then he's still out. That's my concern for the Suns rather than oh, he's just gonna be out x amount of time set 100 percent, and he'll be back at this point we don't really know that because we don't really know how he's going to feel at that point either especially with something like a hamstring that's, that's a very con- that's the very concerning part of it it's no no matter how much physical therapy massage ice heat exercise stretching whatever you do that is something that your body either it agrees with it or it doesn't that that is all it is. Your your body won't be ready until it's, until it's ready. Basically, yeah, you can't do anything exactly. to treat it. You just have to sit and rest and wait until you feel good, and that's the concerning part for me. I think I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about the Suns now. I'm concerned about term. the Suns. That's fair. After this series, yeah, and when Devin Booker will return. That's a storyline. We'll we'll, we'll that is a storyline, that and that's that's out, that's yeah. where I was writing this in as big news because this is huge news. Booker especially was like their big like guy after the All Star break to keep them in that one seed. Yeah, and he obviously the baby. Yeah, and he, well, that was that was right when he hurt his hamstring. <laughs> it was like all the, the baby's bump. fault. It was all the baby's fault. I like the fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> um, but CB three, I could, I mean, he could easily be they'll that be guy. Right. He'll be he'll be fine, and they'll probably put Cameron Payne out there with them or Landry Shamit, one of those two. Yeah. Um, so they'll be fine. For now. For now. But when you get to actual competitors, no offense to the Pelicans, but offense to Dallas, the Pelicans Dallas because they, Utah, yeah. Dallas or Utah are, are teams that could actually face up against the Suns if they don't have Devin Booker. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. Now this is bef- right here. Bef- before you get into this, um, Jake is going to... Okay, wait, wait. Do you want me to save that for last? We'll save that for last, actually. You want to save it? We'll okay. save it for last. Okay. So we'll go We'll go right to, We'll go right to the best two series, in my <laughs> opinion. I don't know if it's your opinion. Me. It's in my opinion. Me. I think these are the best two series in the playoffs right now. It's the first time ever to say this, that I think the best two series are the two and seven series. I'm going to agree with Brooklyn and Boston. I am not going to agree with... Uh, Minnesota and Memphis. I know that breaks your heart as the no, 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 no. See, see, but I, I will. I'll no, no. But I want to make my argument first. What do you got? I want to make my argument. I'm ready. So, (laughs) I know what you're gonna say that this past game was an absolute blowout, not even competitive. Yeah, yeah. Meaning it's not the best series. That's only one game. Well, then you only had one close game, meaning it's only one game in the first one. They're the two best offensive teams in the league statistically okay and 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 there is absolutely no way that minnesota shoots as bad as they did from the field in that game especially especially you think about this minnesota took one game in memphis all right yep all right that was huge for them yeah that was very big for them yeah now they go back to minnesota a place where there hasn't been a playoff game in almost 20 years can you imagine the amount of energy that's going to be in that place tonight? A lot. And the next game? Yeah. Can you imagine? And not to mention, <laughs> if there's a protester 
That already guarantees they're going to win the game because there's, they're 2-0 and whenever, whenever that happens. Um, all right, that last one, obviously, don't don't count. But I just I – like, I love the energy in this series because both of these teams have so much to fight for and so much to prove. I, I like the young energy. I think – I'll give you it's the most exciting series or one of the most exciting, but I, I'm not going to give it the, the best series tag. Okay, well – not my, yet. My, it could end up being my, that. my opinion in, on like best is like most entertaining to watch. Well, not so much best teams. For me, for me, I can't consider a twenty-eight point blowout to be entertaining. If any of the games, it did not. You know, the second half was not entertaining. If there, if there's any twenty-eight point blowout at any point in the series, I think we can pick a different one. Okay. Um, but yes, I do think Memphis, Minnesota, and that storyline that you just mentioned. Of returning to a playoff game in Minnesota, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome tonight, and That'll I cannot cool wait. Environment. I cannot really wait. Cool environment. Patrick Beverly back in Minnesota. <laughs> Patrick Beverly back in Minnesota. You see his energy in that play-in game. He's going to have so much energy tonight. I cannot wait. All the I Heart Pat Bev shirts are going to be out. Yeah, I secretly I do kind of hope uh, Minnesota pulls it out. Even pull out the whole series just to see I want how them to excited. pull out the whole series. I want them to pull out the whole series so just, badly. Just to see how excited no, you are about No, that. I won't even be happy for myself. I'll be happy for my brother. <laughs> yeah. My brother's the biggest Minnesota Is fan he? ever. Yes, he's an actual Minnesota fan. Wow, he's probably more excited than you. He's are. <laughs> more excited than me. He's he's going going crazy right now. So I'm hoping for him. Gavin, you got you got my you got my uh my approval right now. Don't worry. All right, so now we'll go into this next this next bit that you're already gonna slander me for. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead. Okay. Go. No. No. Go. You go first. You go. First. All right. Well, first off, I'm just. I titled this as Jokic fraud just because I knew this would make you mad. And it did. You. Succeeded. I know. You I know. And, and the entire time when we were when we were sitting uh, sitting down before this talking about it, I could tell you were mad because I was it, just slandering him. Yeah. You know, um, obviously. But, no, see, I don't want to. All right, I don't want to dispute Jokic's talent because, like, that's just that's <laughs> I, just that's I just. I don't know, man. I think no, you no, 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 no. Him a fraud. No, see, that's the thing because, like, I just know how to get under your skin when it comes to that. Um, no, I don't want to. I don't want to dispute Jokic's talent because obviously Jokic is a top two center in the league right now. The guy is averaging 25 in, and a half, 10 and a half, and 5 through two yeah, and, games. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying you take him off this team and the Nuggets aren't even in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's valuable to this team and he's the whole reason that they they might, <laughs> like, they have a chance to maybe pull out one game in this series. So you don't think that he's actually a fraud? No, I don't actually think he's a fraud. <laughs> I don't actually I don't think he's a fraud. I don't know with you, man. My problem, my problem is that throughout these games, like, he has not been acting much like a leader. That's fair. He's been very much complaining about every yeah. little thing, causing fights with everyone else. That's fair. And, I mean, I already had an opinion on Jokic's attitude when he absolutely decked one of the Morris brothers yeah. at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. because that was one of, that was a dirty thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Like Jokic, Jokic is talented. You can't take that away from him because, like I said, he's the whole reason they're even in this playoffs right now, and he's the whole reason that they stayed at this six seed the entire time because avoiding his playing. yeah and his his playmaking just puts them in that position that they could actually succeed. 
But on the other hand, you have to show some class and show some respect and show that you're the leader of this team instead of going out and and just complaining all the time and, and yelling at refs and getting kicked out of a, a second, like a game two, when you're you're not even in the game. like you're, It's not even close at that point. Did I just not, don't think he's been acting like much of a leader. That was the same game that Golden State uh, reeled off 70 points in 20 minutes, Yes, right? yes. Um, that's all fair. I, I appreciate you for acknowledging the talent aspect of him, at least. And now... We'll let you get into your favorite part of the show. This is I am I'm going to keep my mouth shut for the entirety of this. Viewers, please enjoy Jake talking about his beloved 76ers. Now, I need to start this off very calm, very mellow, because I need to apologize. I need to apologize to the Sixers, to the city of Philadelphia, to everyone for counting my team out last week and saying that they were going to be swept by the Raptors. Now that I've acknowledged that and I've accounted myself for that. Here we go. This is absolutely amazing. This team has rallied together. Glenn, Glenn, maybe you earned the title of Doc back. Maybe, just maybe. If, if he finishes off the sweep, does he get the title back? Yeah, okay. he'll get it back. He'll get it back if he finishes the sweep. But there are some people that I really do want to acknowledge. I'll save the best for last. Yep. Tobias Harris, finally putting up consistent numbers in the playoffs. Finally averaging, I think it's like 19.9 through three games. Good job, Tobias. Finally doing something. <laughs> something. <laughs> Doesn't take much to impress you. Wow. <laughs> now Tyrese Maxey oh my god this man carried us through the first two games became the youngest Sixer player to score 30 plus in a playoff game absolutely balling right now he's in some elite company with LeBron as well yeah it was the, it was what was it I don't remember exactly first, what it was I think it was like first uh, player in the or second player in their first two years to score 30-plus in two straight games and shoot yeah. 60% or better from the field. That's what it was. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Thank you. That's pretty good. I didn't know the exact Elite stats, so I didn't, with, I didn't want to say anything. Elite company with the king. <laughs> so, Tyrese, you're doing a great job on both ends of the floor. Last night, even when Harden fouled out, you still stayed in it, and you kept us in that game. Have you, have you seen uh, that video of Greg Jennings, the Greg Jennings Madden video where the guy's commentating and Greg Jennings breaks his leg and he says, I put the <laughs> yeah. team on my back, yeah. though. It's like Maxi right now. That is Maxi. <laughs> that is Maxi. Except for so back. someone else put the team on their back last night. Last <laughs> night they did. James Harden. The first two games are a little disappointing, but you're finally coming back around, finally scoring again and doing what you should be doing. You're finally back up to that scoring, playmaking man that you were. Just getting consistent numbers. Good on you. Smart buckets. Smart man. The beard. He's back. <laughs> but you know who's never left? Who's never lost? Who, who never left? Who, who really put the team on his back, though? Joel <laughs> Embiid! The absolute real king. The king of Cameroon. 
Joel, oh my god, game winner last night, and every single game consistently being dominant. A seven-footer should not be able to make a shot like that to win a game. Fadeaway three, yeah. A seven-footer who can also dominate the paint. Yeah, can do it all. Who can basically have the skill set of a guard, but can play like I would say could play like I'm not I'm not I'm not saying he is Shaq because by no means is anyone Shaq. So don't don't take it like this, but like. He could be the closest thing to the dominance in the paint as Shaq was. Dwight Howard as well, maybe. Yeah, there's only a few that come There's close, only so. a few that, that are like Embiid. And Embiid has the skill set of a guard on top of that. He is literally the like biggest threat offensively in the NBA right now, I would say. Also, uh, uh, what... What sweatshirt are you wearing right now? Joel Joel Embiid. I had to I had to rep him. I had to rep him. I had to rep him. Tonight when we hang out, I'm throwing on an Embiid jersey. Just let <laughs> just letting you know now, just previewing. Alright. Cause I gotta show love to my man. I feel terrible for absolutely doubting this team. Because they're actually playing great right now. The only team that's up three oh. Couple of teams might be able to guess the three zero. I was gonna say, well, they're they're they're, they're ahead. Like their their series is the further yeah. is the furthest ahead. But before we get into our next thing, I just want to say, I was wrong. I apologize. But in a typical Philly fan fashion, never doubt them. This is this is my team. This is my team. And you know what? You know what I account this for? Glenn listened last week. He listened to the Slinging Sports in. Podcast. <laughs> he listened to me doubt this team. Got them fired up. And got them fired up in the locker room. I think I think before game one against Toronto, Glenn was this was us. This was what was playing before yeah. game one. A lot of other teams they didn't put on, to they music. Didn't, they didn't put on Meek Mill. No, 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 no. no. They put on Slinging Sports Podcast. <laughs> awesome. So, Glenn, You're welcome. finish out this sweep. Then I'll refer to you as Doc again. That's how I'm going to finish that. We're going to go right into the NFL. All right. And now this is taking us into our big draft special. We've got a 10-pick mock that we did. We're, di- we're covering the draft this week also. We're going we're gonna to put a disclaimer. We're covering the draft this week because by the time the episode releases next week, the first round, the will, first have round will have already happened. Yes. However, we probably won't know any of the picks at that point, so we'll preview what's to come that night or preview what is to come on day two at that point um i don't know we'll see where we get with next week but let's just get into this we did this so that i will take the first pick because it's my jaguars and wally will take both of his giants picks in the first round now he's going to double up on a pick at one point and then i will end up taking the rest of the even numbers yeah. so i have picks one three six eight and ten and I've, Wally, I've got two, four, five, seven, nine. Yes, just so everyone can just so their own just team. so yeah, just so everyone knows. It's a little bit all more right. exciting. So, why don't you get us started with the, the first pick on the clock with the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft? The Jacksonville Jaguars will select Aiden Hutchinson. Do you think uh, while they're on the clock, do you think they'll let the clock run out? Will they be fielding calls if someone comes up for Again. a number one overall pick? Or they run into the table with the card? I don't think I don't think they're gonna run into the table. 
I think it's going to be... I don't know. I think right now it's between Hutchinson and Walker. But, like, I just don't see how they don't go edge. They have no one on, on the edge rush right now. Yeah. Walker would be... Walker... I, I wouldn't be upset with a Walker pick. I'm very upset that Evan Hutch Neal won't be the pick him. anymore. <laughs> um, but Hutch just serves so much more for them currently, right now, and even for the future because they have very little to no edge rushers. Yeah. So I think Hutchinson is the no-brainer pick. Um, and for me, number two, Detroit, the guy that you missed, just mentioned, Trayvon Walker. Pretty much every mock draft you read, it's Walker-Hutchinson interchangeable at this point. Walker has flown up draft boards. He's got the second best odds to go number one overall. Whichever one of those guys goes first, doesn't go first, they're going to go second. So Walker to Detroit serves a need. Detroit is still far, far away from turning things around. Um, But it's a start. It's a start with Trayvon. So at pick number three, I have Kayvon Thibodeau going to the Houston Texans. I think... Like we mentioned with Walker and Hutchinson, Thibodeau is also a no-brainer to go that high. I don't see him slipping out of the top five like people had said leading up to the weeks because... Yeah, he's having a bit of a rebound. Yeah, he he's, he was, he he was up and down, bit. up and down. People said he was going to drop out of the top five, drop out of the top ten at, yeah. at one point. And now he's having his resurgence coming up. Top three pick, easy, no-brainer. Texans yeah. will take him. I think they'll be all set. Now... Number four, the Jets. This is where things get interesting. There are a number of players, positions that the Jets could attack here at number four. For me, I think they're taking Sauce Gardner, cornerback, Cincinnati. The Jets have missed a true number one shutdown cornerback since Darrell Revis, Revis Island. And Sauce Gardner has that potential. From day one, you can stick him out there against the best receivers in the game. He is going to be matched up with Stefan Diggs twice a season for as long as he's uh, a New York Jet, if he ends up there. Um, perfect for the Jets. Gardner, I don't think you... It's it's tough to take a cornerback in the top three with these, these guys that the Jaguars, Lions, and Texans are most likely going to go after. But Sauce Gardner deserves to be in the top three as well. He is a freak, shutdown cornerback. He is going to be excellent, and if the Jets end up going with him, they are going to be very, very pleased. Now, I think that's interesting because it's between Sauce and Hamilton there for me. I would say that they're definitely going defense, but it's just who would you prefer at that point? Yeah. So between those, Sauce, great pick, but I think it could it could easily fall Hamilton as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now. Number five, this is my double up portion of the show um, because of my, <laughs> the greatest team in the NFL, the New York Giants. Um, the New York football Giants select offensive tackle from NC State. Ikum Ikonu. Icky, 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 Icky. If you're, as a Giants fan, and if you're the Giants, Joe Shane and company, Brian Dable, as long as Akonwu or Neal is there at five, the draft is a victory for you. You take If one you of get them. either of the tackles, you are running up there. No questions asked. Um, it's exactly what they need. The Giants have voluntary uh, mini camp right now. 
They've got Andrew Thomas on the left side, who had a great bounce-back season. And the right side is Corey Cunningham currently as the right tackle. He's not He's not a <laughs> starting caliber tackle. Meaning, take either of them, day one right tackle for the first game of the preseason, first game of the regular season. Solves a huge issue. Gets Danny some help. See what he does this year. That's it. Offensive tackle, whichever one is available. I mean, with those trends, both of those guys, whoever is there, whoever you go with, it's a win. You're getting a win. Yeah, you're getting a win. And one one of those guys will end up falling there, even if another is taken in in the top four. Yeah, you're getting one of them. You're getting a win. Yeah. Now at six, this is where our first QB is taken, and I think it's gonna be Malik Willis to the Panthers. Um, The Panthers kind of up in the air on their whole quarterback situation. Sam Darnold has come out and said it's out of his control. Um, But the Panthers have shown a lot of interest in Willis. Again, you and I have stated that we're not really that impressed with him. I'm not. Well, we we witnessed him firsthand when he came to Syracuse. We saw him with our own eyes on TV. Malik isn't either of our number one quarterback Mm -hmm. in this class, but Carolina has shown the most love for him. A lot of NFL teams have. It makes the most sense. May, for Carolina. May, maybe he could prove us wrong. He'll develop very well, but as of right now, I don't think he is the most NFL ready QB Not at, at all. all. Not at all. He's very far from it at that point. I also want to mention the topic of quarterbacks in Carolina. I don't know if you've seen this, but the rumors of Baker Mayfield going to Carolina. I have seen that. Not just that, and but Robbie Anderson saying <laughs> this no. Guy saying is no. So funny. <laughs> There are Instagram posts of Baker Mayfield, rumors saying Baker Mayfield might come to Carolina. And Robbie Anderson, the Panthers wide receiver, comments under it, no, <laughs> N-O-O-O-O-O, yeah. wants nothing to do with Baker Mayfield. It is so hilarious. Robbie Anderson, I love you. Have you seen the clip of him with the Panthers mascot? Yeah, he's, what's, he's what's that cat thing? He's hilarious. That's Sir Perk. Super. Who's that? <laughs> I love it. I love Robbie. He's awesome. He's, he's hilarious. Um, that's I wonder. I wonder what he'll think if they take Malik Willis. Well, he's poor guy. Poor, <laughs> poor, actually, poor guy was with Sam in uh, New York. He thought he escaped him when he got to Carolina. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Followed him. Um, number seven uh, for the New York Giants. This pick is tricky for me, and we we didn't say this, but we're not doing trades in this top ten. And for me, as a Giants fan, ideally, they trade out of this pick. I think Sauce Gardner and Kayvon Thibodeau should be the only two that they really should stick at 7-4. If those two are both gone, they should actively explore trading out of that pick. But we're not doing that. We're not doing the trade out. So, Kyle Hamilton is my pick for number 7. Art Stapleton, who's a beat writer for the Giants, said yesterday on Twitter that in training camp, it is very apparent that inside linebacker and safety are two positions that the Giants are going to look to fill in the draft. Kyle Hamilton fills the safety and borderline the inside linebacker yeah. because he is a Swiss Army knife. He can do it all. He's a very talented person. I've witnessed it firsthand as a big Notre Dame football guy. He can change a defense the day he steps in there. I really I don't think that the Giants end up with Kyle Hamilton thinking realistically but I will be very, very happy if they do. Now, this pick is interesting to me because I would think that the Giants would also be looking at Derek Stingley. There's 
uh, Stingley from, yeah, Stingley LSU. from LSU. Yeah. Um, I've seen none of it. I've, I've, in the, in the I've Giants seen, universe, I've seen a little bit of it. In the Giants universe, I see Gardner for a cornerback, no one else. Wow. At least in wow in my the reading that I have done. I don't um, know. That's that's interesting to me because I feel like they'd be out of the teams left in the in the top ten. Oh yeah. I feel like they're they'd, totally they'd, the be, they'd be the highest candidate for that. Yeah. And as much as I love Kyle Hamilton, people have said that he's going to fall. So it'd be interesting to see if they were to take Stingley if they stay, and if they don't, if a team trades up and takes Stingley over Hamilton. I also I think that's going to be the most interesting thing. I also think this might be biased because I'm a Giants fan, but I think the Giants are the most likely team to move out of the top ten in this year's draft, largely because well the Jets have two top ten picks as well. But being at five and seven and being around Carolina, who will most likely take a quarterback. Yeah. They are the most likely to move out, whether that be five or seven, I'm not sure. Um, but we're not doing trades. However, it's definitely a storyline to watch as a week from today, when the picks start to come in, the Giants are... Uh, Joe Shane actually said in his press conference yesterday, he's not actively shopping either of the picks, but he, but he, has, he, ha- phone calls. he has already received yeah. phone calls. He hasn't received offers, but teams have called asking about the availability for both of the picks. Um and he, he seems open to it. He seems very open to picking up. I mean, if you have more two of them, capital. why are you getting? Why yeah. You, why are you keep them? I mean, why not get more? Yeah. Why not get? Why not above. get more? Yep. Um, now at number eight, I have the Falcons taking Garrett Wilson. He's my number one wide receiver. I think. In this class. I think he's the number one wide receiver. Fills a hole. I think that's easily what the Falcons need right now. They're missing a lot of receiver depth. Yeah, especially for my man MM8 back there, um, <laughs> under under center. He'll appreciate that. I think I think he'd like that pick as well. Um, speed, but you know, you pair him with Kyle Pitts. I think you you are starting to build something, something uh, fun in that in that receiving core. Something fun, and they'll have some experience by the time if you draft a quarterback next year in twenty twenty three. You've got a Pro Bowl tight end and a wide receiver with a lot of potential who have some experience already. And we'll definitely be ready to make an impact for a rookie quarterback. And we'll certainly aid them, whoever that may end up being, <laughs> hypothetically. Um, that's Atlanta. Number nine, Seattle. Um, this pick is a little up in the air for me as well. This is sad to me. Um, I know it makes you sad. This pick is a little up in the air for me. I think, depending on how the draft board falls, Seattle could go in a lot of different directions here. Seattle's also known to think outside the box with their first round Very outside picks. the box. But... For matter of simplicity, Evan Neal, Seattle needs a tackle. Whoever their quarterback ends up being, um, they will be very grateful to have Evan Neal either on the left or right side. Um, As I'm here crying because yeah, I, I, want, I I thought sorry, Evan Neal man. was going to be the number one overall pick, and he's number hardly going to squeak into the top ten yeah. in, in our mock. And you know, I'm sorry, man. If it if it happens, it happens, and I'd love it, but. I'm sorry. I, I don't think he's going number one anymore. <laughs> um, so now with the final pick rounding out our top ten, I have the Jets taking Drake London. Uh, another receiver in the top ten. I think he is the second best receiver. Um, this is a great receiving cl- class, though. There is a yeah, lot of there's, there's a, a lot of depth. There's a lot of depth in receivers. Jets might not go receiver until the second round. They and may, still they may get... uh, again, like the Giants, they may also trade this number ten pick. Yeah, so. that as well. 
hey, we'll they see. have a lot of choices. We will see. There's going to be a lot of routes that the Jets could take, but Drake London right now, what we're setting, I think we're going to keep it like that. Drake London's also huge. The guy's 6'5". Yeah, he's very two, big. I don't know how much he weighs, 220, 215, whatever, however much he weighs. Um, That's what the Jets need. They, they need a true number one big-body receiver that can go make a play. Um, the Jets have lacked playmaking ability for a well, number of years Well, they especially need now. someone for Zach Wilson. Yeah. He's throwing to Corey Davis inconsistently every year. He's going to have Braxton Berrios. Wow. And uh, uh, what's his – who's the wide receiver out of Ole Miss last year that they drafted? What's his name? Um, Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah yeah, Mitchell. exactly. Um, Elijah Mitchell, he got injured a little bit last yeah, year. Yeah, he got banged up. But if he can remain healthy, and then you throw in Drake London, hypothetically, to have that other size very, guy. Very similar to the Falcons. To, to They're creating a, a solid core. Building And they already have, well, they already think they have their QB answer. I, I think don't, Zach I, will be all right. I think he'll be okay. I'm but concerned about I mean. Well, that we'll have we'll have a discussion on that another time, but I think Drake London could help this receiving core a lot. I think any any of these receivers will aid the Jets. O- Olave or Ovale. Olave, Olave, yeah. It's Olave. Chris Olave, yeah. Olave would contribute. Um, I always I always I, even, I always mess up how to pronounce his name. I even think Jamison Williams out of Alabama, um, another great another great receiver who has blown doctors away in his recovery after yeah. injuring himself. Um, he says he's going to be 100% even by like training camp preseason. Mm-hmm. He's really ahead of schedule. The Jets have a lot of fun options. Fans will be excited. Whatever the Jets do at 10, whether they trade down, whether they stay put, take a receiver, which seems like the most likely thing, um, Jets fans are going to be very happy. They should be. They deserve some happiness. I'm willing to say that as my uh, co-MetLife Stadium <laughs> uh, residence. Your co-New Jersey resident? Yeah. Well, no. So what would you what would you grade our draft? <laughs> what would you what would you grade our draft? Oh, I'd give it our an mock a. draft. Um, you're giving it an A, an A to round it out. La- for last our mock? year, last year I did my own mock draft and I did full, all full thirty two. I, I did all thirty two, and I did surprisingly well. I don't remember how many picks I got right, but I was I was pushing twenty. Did you did you I get got, Trevor Lawrence? I did get Trevor Lawrence. Yes, <laughs> I got a lot of picks right, and I was uh, quietly proud of myself. Um, but this year, I'm not very confident. This I year, I'm this... very, I'm very up in the air about a lot of things. Yeah, I'm ve- I like, I feel solid about our top ten, but at the same time, I feel like anything could happen to switch up in a second. So, I think someone because there's there's always the surprise pick. Yeah, who's that surprise pick going to be? It may Who come. Knows? It may come from a trade. Yeah, that as well. Someone could fly up. What if Evan Neal's the surprise pick at number one? <laughs> come on, come on. I, I don't know. Um. <laughs> I'm really excited for this year's NFL draft, though, because of the uncertainties surrounding it. Nobody knows, really, what anyone's doing besides... Or even Jacksonville. It's still technically up in the air if it's Walker or Hutchinson. It, it is, and I'm not completely sold that it's going to be... Well, not, yeah. not, that it's, not that it's going to be either of them, but I'm not completely sold on either or of them, like which yeah. one it is going to be. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I, I mean, draft night is always a very fun night. Last Last year... I wasn't here for the draft. I was back home. Yeah. But our friend, who's a Patriots fan, was on the ground crying because they took Mac Jones 
Um, and let me guess, he bought a Mac Jones jersey now? He does not have one yet, actually, <laughs> but he yeah. loves Mac Jones now. And I told him, I was texting him, and I said, I don't know why you're, why you're upset with that pick. That is a good pick. That quarterback fits your system perfectly, yeah. and that is exactly what happened with him this year. I also, I also think it's a little unfair how the the analysts will grade the drafts right after they happen. We'll still do who won the draft, who lost the draft, and all of that, and probably in two weeks. But these these guys are kids; they're twenty, twenty one, twenty two. So much development goes. Into you, football. Have no you have no idea how clue. they're going to pan. You have no out. clue. So these supposed draft day winners. Yeah, like you know, I don't put any stock a team in taking Jalen Rager over. Yeah, you know, like, for Justin Jefferson. Yeah, for Justin Jefferson. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It'll be. Fun. It's again one of the most fun nights. Cannot wait for one it. One of the most fun weekends. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Especially when the day after, our tenth episode is coming out. Yeah, double digits, baby. Double digits. <laughs> We're there. We made it. <laughs> so, next week is going to be a fun week. We're going to keep talking NBA playoffs. We're going to keep talking MLB. We're going to do some fun things with the NFL that weekend. I don't know. We got got a couple things up our sleeve. We'll figure it out. So with that being said, thank you all for tuning in to this episode. Go. Where do they go for, for our socials? At Slinging Sports on Instagram. At Slinging underscore sports on Twitter. We hope to see you guys there. There's some groovy graphics coming out. And that is the best way to know when our uh, – Episodes are published and available. Joel Embiid will be on the graphic tonight, <laughs> ju- or tomorrow morning, just so everyone knows. When you're listening to this, I hope you've already seen the graphic, because Joel Embiid will be on it, and I will not stop until Wally puts him on it. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We will catch you guys in the next one. Peace. <laughs>